Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed toward Tarshish. I don't have a speech impediment. There's two SHs. Twice. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed there to flee from the Lord. Well, some of you know this story starting out wrong already. You've tried to run from God. You can't. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. You running from God has a negative impact on the people around you. Remember that. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and, I will become, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault, and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die. From taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered sacrifices to the Lord. And made vows to him. Father, we thank you for this word. We, we know, Lord, if we look into it. We open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to your word. It has the infinite ability to change us every single time we do it. And so we pray, Lord, that this time would be no different, that you'd renew our minds as we look in it together. We thank you for it. Lord, do in us what you will today. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Turn, look at your neighbor and say, there's grace in running. There's grace for running. This is, uh, some of you know this story. Some of you may be the first time you've heard the story of Jonah and Nineveh. Jonah's a prophet that God has called to send to Nineveh to preach to a wicked people. And um, right up at the very beginning, you don't see Jonah debate with God like Moses. You don't see Jonah say he's not worthy. You don't see him say anything. He just doesn't go. He just leaves. And he goes the opposite direction of where God told him to go. And, um, and he has reason for it. 
Nineveh was a wicked city. It was about 120,000 people. It wasn't a small town. And they were very famous for torture and overwhelming uh, nations and just just brutal group of people. And, uh, and the Jewish people hated them. And they were enemies. And so you can imagine... Jonah being called to go preach to Nineveh. Now, the issue is, is that most of us would look at this and think, well, he's, he's asking him to go and condemn, condemn the city. And man, wouldn't you want to go and condemn the city? But Jonah realized something that we need to realize is that through, through what Jonah was being asked to do, Jonah knew there was a chance that God's grace would work and they would repent. And turn. And so instead of Jonah going to the city and preaching condemnation on them, giving them a chance to turn from their wicked ways, he goes the other way. You know, grace chases wicked people. Did you ever think about that? If we fast forward to the New Testament, we, we see um, Jesus not coming for the people who didn't need a doctor, but he specifically says he came for the sick. And I started, I started thinking about this. Why didn't Jesus just hang around decent people? He didn't have to hang around the Pharisees who were self-righteous religious people. He could have just hung around like a family like yours. Have them over for dinner every night. The kids behave. Nobody's got any problems. You know, just come to a family like yours and, and just sit down around the dinner table and hang out. No, 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 no. He goes to Matthew the tax collector and says, come follow me. Let's hang out at your house. You see, I don't think the Pharisees would have had such a problem if he just hung around decent people. But grace drew him to the sick. Grace is constantly chasing the wicked. God, God sent his son Jesus not to condemn the world, but that through, through him the world might be saved. And so that meant every, every decent person and every wicked person. So now we, here we have an opportunity that he's called Jonah to go to a wicked city and preach to them. Preach to them about what they're doing is wicked. And in them realizing their wickedness, the grace of God would come. But Jonah had a problem with that. Now, I don't know about you, but there are people in my life that I don't want grace to fall on. Don't laugh at me like that. You have the same people. The same people in your life. They may be part of your family. They may be part of your work. You're like, Lord, can you skip the grace? Bring the lightning. Right? Bring the, just bring the lightning today, Lord. I have preached. I have I've been nice. I've done all these things. They're wicked from the core. Snatch them up. And so what we do is God sent Jesus so that none would perish. And then we filter that through the people that we like. This is what Jonah was doing. He was filtering God's call. He was going, I, I, I don't mind preaching to people, but not them. I don't mind, I don't mind preaching, but not, not that guy, not those people, not that family, not, not that person I work with, not, not them. I'll, anyone else but them, Lord, they don't deserve it. And some, somehow we superimpose God's judgment and we start to use our own. And we start, we start becoming judge, jury, and, and, and executioner. We start determining all right, this person doesn't deserve the grace and mercy of God. I think we're safer when we let God determine that. So when he calls us to speak to somebody, we just speak. 
Jonah filters the call of God in his life, and he says, if you're calling me to Nineveh, I'm going the opposite way. Those people deserve nothing. They don't even deserve their, to know they're doing wrong. Now, here's a sneaky little secret. Sometimes we won't correct people because we think if they get in trouble, it'll help them out. Yeah, just like, I'll just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. They'll get in trouble. They'll they'll figure it out soon enough. They'll just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Can't you see the grace of God trying to get in through the gates of Nineveh through Jonah? Tell them that they're doing wrong. Nope. I'm going to let them figure it out for themselves through judgment. You do this with your kids just like I do, don't you? I told him once. Yeah, but he's getting ready to jump off the roof. Figure it out. Figure it out soon enough. Now, can I say this? There is something about kids learning how to walk. They have to trip a little bit. But we're not talking about eternal destiny. I was in a coaching class. Uh, I have 60 hours of coaching training. If any of you would like to pay me $100 an hour to coach you, I'm, I'm available like tomorrow. Uh, I got 60 hours of life coaching, and, uh, and I had a problem with this. Because as a life coach, you're not supposed to tell anybody what's right or wrong. You're supposed to walk them through the path to figure it out themselves, right? And I went, yeah, but what if they're getting ready to make a mistake? So the, so the teacher of this course said, listen, you gotta, you got to figure out, is it a boo-boo or a catastrophe? Because what happens is if you pick your kid up, if you keep your kid from falling when they're trying to learn how to walk, they'll never learn how to walk. There's something that, that it collaborates, not collaborates, but calibrates in, in, your, in, your, in your head when the, when the one-year-old or, or the 12-year-old... Um, falls down, and they hit their butt, and then they go, oh, that's where the ground is. Ha <laughs> ha. Wow. Now, when you do that when you're 40, you go, oh, man, just don't even. <laughs> Calibration's off a little bit again. Shouldn't have let me fall. So I'm not talking about we just made a bad decision. So I asked the lady, I said, what if they're getting ready to make a mistake? She said, you have to determine, is this a mistake that's just a, a bump on the head, or is this catastrophic? So if it's catastrophic, you step in. But if it's a bump on the head, that's how we learn sometimes, right? That's why, that's why you let your kid fall off the bike. If they don't fall off the bike, they're probably never going to ride a bike. you got to let go of the thing. Because if you're, if, if you're on a family vacation, your kid's 20, and you're still holding on to the seat. No dates for him. He never gets a girlfriend. It's not going to happen. Dude, is that your mom running behind your bike? I know, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? It's not going to happen. So, so watch. So watch. This is not a bump on the head for Nineveh. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about catastrophic judgment from God. And so we're not talking about, hey, they just made a bad decision. We're talking about ignoring people that are going to hell. That's totally different. And when we... When we as a church refuse to step into somebody's life and say, listen, 
Listen, God loves you with an everlasting love. He's, he's, he's trying to correct you so that you don't die without, without God. Jonah said, I'm not willing to do that. These people are bad enough that I don't care. Can we stop for a second? Is there anybody in our life like that today? That we've said, I don't care. They're bad enough that I don't care. They're bad enough if they walk straight into calamity, I won't say anything. They're bad enough, I don't care. You know what the story of Jonah tells me? There's no one bad enough that God doesn't care. There's no one bad enough that God doesn't care. He will take an unwilling prophet and suck him up in the mouth of a fish and spit him out to get him to preach to Nineveh. You know what that tells me? God's grace covers sin and he wants to he wants to be in every town every city every people so i started thinking who is there anybody in my life that i just was like man god just strike them dead i'd rather them go eternity without knowing you than step into their life and tell them jonah ran the other way he took off i don't think he consulted anybody I don't think he talked to anyone. I don't think he, uh, he didn't pray about it. He just went, those people don't deserve it. He's using his own filter. He's not thinking. He didn't understand at the moment that God's grace, his compassion, that he's slow to anger, that the things that we get so upset about, he's looking through the lens of grace. How can I minister to that person? We're thinking in terms of judgment. Psalm 103, verse 8, explains it well. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. It's the picture of Jesus eating with sinners. It's the grace that seeks out wickedness to save, to deliver, to set people free. He said he didn't come for the, for the, for the people that were healthy. He came for the sick. His goal was coming to the earth to redeem all of mankind. That means everybody. That means everybody that has done atrocious things past our belief in salvation. Because ultimately, it's not my opinion about whether you can be saved or not. It's that there's a grace of God big enough to save you. And the answer is yes. And so I don't get to filter who gets the grace of God. And as soon as I do, I'm, I'm replacing God with myself. Oh, wow. I don't know about you, but if I was God, I'd have stopped the rain yesterday. But as Job said, no plan of his can be thwarted. God wants to extend grace to the people that we don't. The Pharisees used to struggle with this. Do you know who you're sitting with? Do you know who this woman is? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? If you knew, they they would pepper him with questions every time he was with the objectable person. Every time he was with somebody that didn't measure up to their their idea of who God was reaching to, they would shoot him another question. Do you know who this woman is? If you knew who this woman was. And they would object, object. How can God's grace go to those people? We don't like them. And every time Jesus would come back, who's your friend? Who's your friend? Who's your friend? It's a Samaritan? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's right. My grace goes to them too. So God is constantly extending grace to the people that we don't want to give it to. Nineveh, 100% enemies with the Jewish people, torturers. And Jonah knew that if he went there and preached judgment, that they would have a chance to repent. And he was unwilling to give them that chance. 
So here's where the story gets interesting. He runs the opposite way, and he gets on a boat. Funny thing is, evidently he tells the guys up front why he's getting on the boat. He tells them that he's running from God. So he gets on the boat. Now you have to remember, back in these days, everybody had their own gods. Got a God for this, God for that. God for the groceries, God for the weather. And so he gets on the boat, and he goes down on the bottom of the boat, and he goes to sleep. And a storm rages, begins to rage. So the guys that aren't asleep, the pagans who aren't asleep, they start freaking out. They start throwing stuff overboard. They start lightening the load. They start doing all this stuff. They can't figure it out. Finally, the captain of the boat looks around. He's like, where in the world is the guy that came on the boat that we don't know? Goes down the bottom of the boat, he finds him sleeping. Finds him sleeping. I said this to the first service. This wasn't in my notes, but I think it's worth, I think it's worth expanding on a little bit. This reminds me of a story in the New Testament where there was a boat, there was people on it, there was a storm, and there was a guy in the bottom of the boat sleeping. I think it was Jesus. And I'm going, Jesus slept in the bottom of a boat in a raging storm, and it was great. Jonah sleeps in the bottom of a boat on a raging storm, and it's awful. What's the difference, Lord? Why is, why is one sleeping in a calamity great and one sleeping in a calamity awful? Here's why. Jesus knew that he had rule and reign over everything. The earth, moon, stars. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he created everything. So there's nothing natural that happens on the earth that Jesus, while he was on the earth, didn't have power over. And so he was sleeping in the bottom of the boat to make a point to all the disciples, don't worry about this, I've got control over it. So when the winds and rain and the storm come up against your life, you can go to bed at night. You know why? Because he still controls all that stuff. And so the New Testament is a picture of God being in total control. Jesus, how can you be sleeping? Why are you worried about it? Watch this. Be still. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Why did you wake me up? Jonah's case was the exact opposite. One of the things in my life that I'm fearful about is I, that, that I could get to the place where I'm so far away from God that I've ran far enough to sleep while my life is falling apart. There's something that is disconnected with Jonah that he can go down into the bottom of the boat and sleep like a baby while running from God. That's not a good scenario. And I run into people all the time that ran from God 10 years ago and now they're sleeping like babies. And I'm going, how do you do that? You know, Satan can bring a false peace into your life. (laughs) He can bring a false peace into your life where you think, man, everything's fine. And the people around you are going, dude, your life is falling apart. And you're like, no, I'm sleeping great at night. No, your life is falling apart. No, I'm fine. I'm sleeping great. The captain of the ship goes down to the bottom boat, wakes him up, and he says, what are you doing sleeping? I don't know, something happened? They wake him up, and they're angry now. He's caused them to throw all kinds of stuff overboard. By the way, when we run from God, it hurts the people around us. Sooner or later. And, and they start throwing stuff overboard. They threw all the good whiskey over. They threw, now they're really upset, right? So what happens is they get him 
And I don't think this conversation was like sitting down at a table going, Jonah, man, where are you from? I think they had him up against a wall with an elbow in his throat. They're screaming at him at this point in time. Listen to the rapid succession questions. I think this is neat. It says, first of all, he says, the captain went down to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe, maybe he'll take notice of us that we will not perish. Now, they had tried all of their gods. They tried everything. They go down and wake him up. They know he worships a different God. Now, watch this. Some of you get frustrated because people don't turn to your God first. Let them wear themselves out with their idols. And when their idols don't work, they'll eventually come back around. Why do you get impatient with people? It's like, I can't believe they believe that. You just keep believing what you believe. You just keep trusting God. And when the idols don't work, the Lord with the big L is still there. So they say, why don't you wake up and why don't you pray to your God and see what happens? Well, I can tell you right now, the last thing Jonah wanted to do was pray to his God. Think about it. I don't think they had had a conversation since he got on the boat. I don't think they had had a conversation since he had left. So here's what happens. The sailors said to each other, come let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. Now back in this time, this was a pagan way of figuring out what they wanted to do. And God will use a pagan way to peg you every time. Think about it. So here he is. He's standing here. They cast lots. And then they all look at Jonah like, hey, you're the, you're the guy. All of a sudden, you tell us what's going on. And here's what they did. They cast lots and fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What, are you, what, what is your country? From what people are? They shined the big old lantern on him, and they were just pounding him. You tell us why this is happening. We're all getting ready to die here, and you seem to know what's going on. Just, yeah, you're right. This is my fault. By the way, I'm a Hebrew. And um, this is what happened. He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, Big L, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now, see, they had separate gods for all kinds of things. So he's kind of throwing them in a quandary already. He said, I worship the God that made all this stuff. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Now, listen, when he first got on the boat, Ray said, hey, man, what are you doing? Well, I'm running from God. And they thought, God, little G. Like, oh, man, everybody is. I know you're feeling. I know the feeling, man. Come on up. Come on up. We can all hang out together on this boat. We can, we, we can go to Tarshish. We can, we can do the deal. Come on in. You're just like us. Only Jonah wasn't running from an idol. He was running from the God. And so now, all of a sudden, they realize that his God is the God, big G, capital G God. It matters when you read your Bible about where it's capitalized. So now they're looking at him going, okay, wait a second. We've never experienced our God. Our gods do anything like this. This guy's a Hebrew. The big God, the G God, the big G God is now. He's saying that he created everything. And now he's got so much power that this guy's running from it. And he's causing Almost to, to flip us all out of the boat. 
I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12. Do you have it up there? Put verse 12 up there. I think this is extremely peculiar, what he tells them. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault. And that the great storm, that the great storm has come upon you. Why is it that we, we run from God, we want other people to push us back to him? Why didn't Jonah say, I'm going to make this easy for you, I'm just jumping. I'm going to walk the plank. I don't even know if that, I, don't, I think planks came in with pirates, right? That, that might have been later. But why didn't he just say, I'll jump? I'm going to make it easy for all of you guys. I'm just going to jump on my own. I'm going to get out of this boat. Forget about me. Everything will be fine when I'm gone. I'm going to jump on my own. But he still looks at them and says, why don't you throw me overboard? I find that peculiar because when I'm running from God, I want to, I want to. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to be the one to say, I'll make this right. I'll do whatever I got to do. Jonah's still saying, why don't you throw me overboard? Now watch what this does to these men. These are innocent people caught up in Jonah's running. Watch what it does to them. So they're like, we're not throwing you overboard. Are you kidding me? We're not doing that. So they went back to working. They rode and they rode and they rode. And the Bible says that they couldn't get any farther because the storm came up so much greater and they just couldn't get anywhere. So finally they said this. It said they did their best to row back, but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Jonah could have spared all of them this grief by just jumping off himself. Listen, if you're going to come back to God, just turn around. Just turn around right right where you are. Just go, hey, listen, you ain't got to push me anymore. I'm just turning around. I'm going back my own way. But what we do is we stand there and we're like, oh, come on, just push me a little bit more. I don't want to admit, just push me a little more. Just push me a little more. Just push me a little more. All these people are like, Lord, don't hold it against us. Why is Jonah making them do that? Baffles me. You know why? It's the same reason I make people do it in my life. The same reason I make people do it in my life. Because I know when I get back to God, he's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to stand here a little bit until you guys push me. I'm going to just stay here till you push me. I'm going to stay here till you push me. You're pushing me? I mean, I know it's going to all make. And all these people back here struggling whether they're going to kill Jonah or not. And he knows up front. So they throw him overboard. Now, up to this point, this story is awesome. It's believable. Amen? But then the story goes sideways a little bit. Because I would have rather them throw him out of the boat and he land on a floating cypress log (laughs) and he paddle himself back to shore. I'd rather be that way. But that's not the way God decided to do it. 
They threw him overboard and a fish swallows him. So let me just say up front, I don't know what type of fish it was and neither do you. I don't know if it was a whale. I don't know if it was a fish that went extinct. I don't know what it was, but it was something big enough that Jonah could be swallowed and then breathe. Like he had his own sweet in the middle of the belly that he could be cognizant enough to pray to God. I don't know what that looks like. But the grace of God in Jonah's life allowed him to run, but then God chased him and then used a fish to spit him back out on dry land to put him in the place where he needed to be to do what God had called him to do. Now, now let's look into this. For just a little bit. Watch this. Ephesians 2.10 says, For you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do, to do good works, which he created in advance for you to do. Now watch this. So God's will in your life was before you were born. He, he, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So you were created in Christ Jesus. That Jesus, you were created, Jesus came and saved you. And through the salvation of Christ, God's will is being worked out in your life. Before you were even born, he created good works for you to do. So, so us being in God's will means us accomplishing those good works that he had called us to do. Amen? So for us to live a full life to the fullest, he came to give us life and life more abundantly, means we're carrying out the will of God. Amen? Okay, so sometimes when we run, we're going the opposite way of the will of God. So in God's grace and mercy, he doesn't cut us off. He says the most fulfilling life you could ever have is by doing my will. So I will chase you down. I will upset your boat. I will put you in the belly of a fish to pull you back around to the full life that I intended for you at the beginning. So what we do is we get grace confused with judgment. And we look at the boat as God judging Jonah, we look at the difficulty in our life as God judging us when really it's his grace steering us back to the fullest life we could possibly have. Amen? So, my question to you this morning is, what is your fish? Because I'm going to tell you something, fish guts stink. I don't care if God provided it or not. That's not my first mode of transportation. Oh Lord, I fell out of the boat. Provide a whale for me to swim back to shore. No. And if you read after this Jonah's prayer, he's not looking at it as a vacation. Look at this. There's a velour couch in this whale. No, he's going, God, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. How many times do we pray for God to deliver us for something that he's actually delivering us to? Think about that. We pray, God, deliver me. He said, I'm delivering you right to where I need you to be. God, take me out of this. Deliver me from this. He said, my grace is actually packaging you up to spit you out of the place I need you to be. I'm reminded of another New Testament story of a young Jewish man who looks at his dad and he says, I think it's time for me. Give me my inheritance. I'm rolling out. I don't want to live under your rule anymore. So the Bible says that he goes and he spends everything he has on wild living and pretty ladies. That's a Chris translation. When he comes to the end of his money, he's still not willing to go back until he falls into the pig pen. And the Bible says, actually, that's a really bad place for a young Jewish man to be, is dealing with pigs. Because they can't eat pigs, they can't be around pigs, can't touch pigs. Pigs is the worst place you could possibly be for a Jewish man at that time. And so he finds himself in the pig pen. The Bible says that he's desiring the things that the pigs eat. 
I'm looking at the pigs as a New Testament fish. Whatever God has to drag you through as a mechanism to get you back into his will, get ready to smell like fish guts or pig manure. It doesn't matter. His grace chases you while you're running. And so if it's fish guts, then I'll wake up on the, I'll wake up on the shore smelling like fish guts. If it's pig manure, then bless God, cover me in pig manure if it takes me back to my father. So he says, stop praying for me to deliver you. This is the deliverance. Whatever you're walking through right now, I want you to take a second to look at it in a different context. God, get me out of this. Get me out of this. Deliver me from the fish. Deliver me from the pigs. Deliver me. Deliver me. Deliver me. And God's saying, I am. You just don't recognize where I'm taking you. So watch. The band's going to come. Why don't you stand to your feet? That'll make me quit on time. So watch this. I talked to somebody last night and I said, man, I'm learning a lesson the older I get. It's just, I got to stop taking everything personal. You know how much you would, anxiety you would relieve in your life if you just stopped taking everything personal? Like it's all about you. How narcissistic have we become that everything is about us? I don't care if you like my sneakers or not. I'm going to take it personal. We always internalize the struggle. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Well, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about the boat. It's about me. It's about the fish. It's about me. You're just trying to get me. You're trying to get me. You're trying to get me. This whole story is about Nineveh. And we miss it because Jonah. Come on, follow me. This whole story is about Nineveh being redeemed. But you miss it because we personalize Jonah. Because we can all relate to Jonah. God, I don't want to do that. Why are you tipping my life upside down? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go where you called me. I don't want to do what you called me to do. I want to do my thing. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Jonah's like the only reluctant prophet. He's, he's like the only one that went the exact opposite way. So the story gets focused on Jonah when God's focus was on Nineveh. Oh, man. How many times in my life am I going, God, why are you doing this to me? He said, it's not about you, crybaby. That's why he talks to me. I'm not saying that to you. Stop crying. This is about people who haven't heard the gospel yet. And I need need to get you back on track so that they can hear the gospel. Come on, you'll get it when you go home today. It's not about you. Stop making everything about us. How about the grace of God is chasing us while we're running to get us back in the position we need to be so that the people God wants to redeem can be redeemed. And so so I'm going, God... Okay, I'll welcome every fish in my life. I'll welcome every pig pen from now on. I'll welcome every correction. I'll welcome every every time I've strayed off to the right or the left. The promise that he gives me is that he will keep my path straight. And then, and then he, he can correct me in staying on the path. So the promise he gives me is that so you can carry out the fullest life that you want to live. So that you can carry out the fullest life that I've planned for you then I'm going to just put these corrections in there because at the end of the day, it's about people knowing God. It's not about whether whether I smell like fish or not. So the beautiful thing is, Jonah gets spit out 
And then he goes, whoop, here we go. And he goes to Nineveh and he preaches and they repent. And they repent. (laughs) The sad part about this story is Noah doesn't clap at the end. He's still agitated. It's about him. My prayer for us as a church is that we would roll along with it. When we get out of line a little bit, we start running from God. We'd say, God, I accept, I accept the fish. I accept the pig. I accept it, Lord, and you're bringing me back in line. And there's some people who haven't heard about you, and I'm willing, to, I'm willing to say it. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go to them. I'm willing to do whatever you've called me. I'm willing to do. I want the life that you laid out for me. And I know that, that the fullest life I can live is to do your calling, is to do your will. You, you laid it out before I was born, and I, I'm excited to do it. Lord, give me the opportunity give me the opportunity. And when I can wake up in the morning and realize that it's not about me, that it's the people God's calling me to, I can have a totally different perspective on what I do and what God does in my life. I can have a totally different outlook on it. I can say, God, it it doesn't matter as much anymore because you're reaching people, because you're redeeming people, because, because the Ninevehs in my life are coming to know you. So keep steering the boat, Lord. Keep providing the fish. Keep providing the pig pen. Keep providing the way for me to stay in your will. And I will honor you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, God. We pray that you'd steer us back every time. We pray that you provide a fish every time, a pig pit every time, that you'd bring us back, that there'd be a grace when we run. Lord, that your grace would chase us when we run. It would be, it would be persistent, Lord, tenacious after us because, Lord, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's the people you've called us to. And you know a great work could be done in our lives. Just turn us this morning, God. Turn our lives today. And Lord, I pray if there's one person here, God, that's hearing about your grace and mercy for the first time and they realize they spent a life running from you, Lord, they'd stop in their tracks this morning and then accept your grace and mercy today. They'd accept your love this morning, God. They'd accept you, all that you offer, your forgiveness, your freedom, your peace this morning, Lord, I pray that they come to a new life in you. God, send us from this day. Lord, steer us into your perfect will and send us to who you've called us to. Lord, we pray for more churches, God, more people being saved. Lord, more people sent all over the planet. God, we pray that your will would be done on earth even as it is in heaven. Lord, do that through us today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you say amen to that? Could you give him honor and glory this morning? He's good. Amen.